You're listening to Just Hit Play with your hosts, Peter and Nick Cabral. If you're tired of your stagnant, streamed music feed, then strap yourselves in for an intergenerational sonic journey through Peter and Nick's favorite songs. Welcome to episode 77 of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter, in Canada with my uh, nephew, uh, Nick, who's also in Canada, but not in the same room as me. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing well. Doing really well. I've I said this off air, but it's weird to have you in the same time zone for once. Yeah, it was a, it was a long ass flight. I'll tell you, 24 hours of travel. So um, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm here for the month because I definitely don't want to do that in a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't blame you at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, um, it was hell. I'm not going to lie. Um, I had the whole road to myself. Yeah. And then the last day someone took the seat. So I st- there's still an open seat in the middle, but the, uh, this woman took the seat next to it, like two seats away from me. Oh. And I was like, I was like, really? And then, you know, I said hello to her. She goes, yeah. Can you believe this? Flight was almost full. I was sitting next to three people, so I decided to move and, and get a little bit of space and move back here. And I'm thinking, oh, thank you so much. I had the whole road to myself, and you had to move to get more space for yourself. Which I guess oh, I don't blame you. It was a perfect. It was going to be a perfect flight. I was going to just crash out and sleep, but uh, no, I didn't. You had everything lined up perfectly. I had. I I was. I moved my. I moved around. Anytime someone sat next to me, I moved to an empty row. Like I was playing the game, but then yeah, at the last minute, uh, that was it. She screwed me. Well, that's that's too bad. Were you able yeah. to consume a, lots of good media on your flight? Catch up well, on things? It, it's funny you say that. Um, before I left, I don't know if you saw this on Facebook. I put out a post saying I had two books that I wanted to read. And I wasn't sure which book to read. One was a history of World War II, which was 37 hours. And the other one was the history of the Nazis, which was 57 hours. And I was like, yeah, what does, what does anyone recommend? Like, you know, if you had to read one of them or it was listen, so it was audiobooks. And a few people commented and I was like, oh, I'm going to go with the Nazis. So I literally wrote the comment on Facebook. Uh, I went with the Nazis <laughs> and I got banned on Facebook for 24 hours. That's hilarious. Yeah. You didn't, so you didn't see that coming at all? I didn't, I, you know, cause I figured context was important. And so I, um, disputed my ban yeah and then about when i landed they're like yeah we got this one wrong we're sorry so i was unbanned from facebook yeah but you might still be flagged as a nazi sympathizer for a while. right yeah. <laughs> your online presence might be might have a flag on it yeah maybe the next trip you know to some sensitive countries might not be go as easy as i as i hoped it would be yeah perhaps not no yeah so i was temporarily banned on facebook for being a nazi supporter so, uh, yes, thankfully that was rectified because, you know, wanting to read a book about Nazis and being a Nazi supporter is, yeah, you know, context is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's get into some music. I'm really excited to talk about this, these two songs. So uh, you're going yeah. up first. Oh, before you begin, Nick, let's say hi to our uh, engineer in Brisbane. Uh, Darren, how are you doing? Is it warm in Brisbane today? Warmer than what you'll have. Cool. Well, thank you, Darren. Uh, go ahead, Nick. All right. So... Last week, we listened to uh, Cinnamon Girl by Neil Young. And as I said during that episode, all I could think about when I went when I was typing into my phone, searching for Cinnamon Girl, Neil Young, to, to listen to it, Cinnamon Girl by Lana Del Rey would always come up right next to right. it. And yeah. 
that is uh, it is my favorite song by Lana Del Rey, who I mm. think is one of the most intriguing pop artists of uh, the last decade. She's really, really good. And this song is off of her 2019 album, Norman Fucking Rockwell, which was a huge turning point in her career, which I'll get into a little bit. So, Darren, why don't you just hit play on Cinnamon Girl by Lana Del Rey? Cinnamon in my teeth from your kiss, you're touching me. So, Cinnamon Girl, not Neil Young, and to be clear, that's definitely not a cover of uh, no, it's Neil not a, song. It's, it's definitely not a cover now. Only shares the same name, but what did you think of this version, this song? Uh, I've always loved Lana Del Rey, and this is this song's no exception. I'd never heard this song before. Um, I think what I like most about about her is her vocal performance. She sort of sounds like she's from another world, and I don't mean to sound like she sounds weird or alien-like. It's just like... It's, I, you know, and I hate to use this word because, you know, people will sort of scorn at me or laugh at me, but it, it does kind of sound angelic. And I know that's really ironic and silly to say in this day and age, but that's the best way I can describe her vocal her vocal range and, and how she performs music. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think if you look at uh, reviews of her music, I'm sure that word comes up a lot because there really is no better way to describe her vocals and like the falsetto she does and everything it's just she sounds she sings like she comes from a different era and i think she's really leaned into that for for a lot of her career and yeah this song is no exception it's just really really incredible vocals that that stays for sure on on this song and uh some interesting production too i think i really really like how this song is engineered and all the production choices on this, I think, are great. Yeah, it's 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 a really fragile song too, and it's um, it's written from the point of view of someone who's hurting or um, you know someone who's very delicate, and that really comes across in the music. It's a little, it's like this little piece of uh, sunlight uh, that's trying to you know break through the fog. And as we record, I'm looking at your your dad's when I'm in your dad's house today, and it's a quite foggy morning, so it's uh, it's it's perfect for the for the song that we're listening to. Yeah, absolutely, it is, and. It's the the chorus when the chorus hits on this song. It's just right. Yeah. It gives me this feeling of uh, like a, a rush almost when I hear it. Just the way the synths are are orchestrated. It's so fantastic. And I, I mentioned that this album uh, was a turning point in her career, and I mm. say that because she had very mixed reviews critically on all of her work up until this point. Are you familiar with uh, Metacritic, the website? Yep. So Metacritic, for those who don't know, it's sort of like, it's like Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but they do music and uh, movies, TV shows, video games, where they just aggregate critical reviews of, of media and right. assign them a weighted score uh, to give a, a rough indication of, of the quality of someone's work. And... She, her previous albums uh, had gotten as low as a 62 on Metacritic, as high as a 78, kind of all over the place, really. Uh, each album, drastically different scores. 
until this one came out in 2019 and it got an 87 on Metacritic, which is huge. That's really, really good. And it won Album of the Year from a few publications. I think Pitchfork Mm. gave this Album of the Year. So this is when she started taking real risks creatively, in my opinion, and they paid off. Like she, this album was reviewed extremely well, and uh, I think it's really good. I think too, it stands out as the production um, of this of this song because it fits so perfectly with her with her vocal range. They they added to the sort of atmospheric sounds that she creates with her lyrics and her voice. Um, I thought it was just a perfect, perfect representation of what the song was doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's all down to Jack Antonoff. Are, are you familiar with Jack Antonoff? Have you heard yep. of him? I have heard of him, yeah. Yeah, so he has his paws all over this record. I think he may have produced the whole thing, um, which is, this is the first time he worked with Lana Del Rey. Uh, previously, he, he'd worked with uh, Taylor Swift, Lord, um, the band Fun. He is one of the biggest producers in the pop industry now. He won the 2022 Grammy for Producer of the Year. He's just now working with everyone in the industry. It's crazy. Right, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is the first time he worked with Lana Del Rey, and he did a great job, I, I have to say. he, he perfect. created Yeah, it is perfect. On this song, it's like this electronic trip-hop sound. Mm. Um, so, so cool. And it's this song actually stands out on the record. It's quite different from the how the rest of it sounds. Right. Yeah. No, I, I was, you know, being familiar with some of her earlier work, I was really, um, I liked it so much because it's such a fragile song. Like she writes from the point of view of someone who's really damaged and is looking, you know, for whatever, if it's, if it's a romance with a person or with a guy or just, you know, just getting to know someone in a, in a deeper level. Um, to be really careful with her because you know <laughs> yeah. she's she sounds really damaged in, in the song like she's gone through uh, through a bit of an ordeal and you know maybe she has maybe it's written very personal thing but uh, yeah it's it's quite a song it is it is and I, f- I figured you would appreciate that because you've said in previous episodes that you're a big fan of vulnerability in writing and when artists are willing to be vulnerable and I think that really shines through on this song again whether whether it's real experiences or not it sounds like she's being very vulnerable yeah and uh i I really really did think you'd appreciate that for sure yeah and that's and that sort of stands out immediately um when you listen to the song and uh if you haven't heard the song yeah if you're listening to this episode go check it out it's i think it's a really beautifully constructed and beautifully sang song yeah yeah so how i'm actually a little surprised you're familiar with lana dare's work before this how did you come across her stuff or where did you first hear it um, I don't know, actually. I, I've sort of, I know quite a few of her songs, uh, Kiss Me Before You Go, like, um, that one album seemed to have a lot of hits. Um, there's a radio station in Australia called Triple J, which I listened to a lot when I first moved to Australia. It's unlistenable now. Like I listen to it now and I want to sort of poke out my ears. Um, it's, it's horrible. Um, they've really leaned heavily into Australian hip hip hop and, um, Australian hip hop is awful. <laughs> it is some of the worst shite that's ever been produced. Uh, so they they play a lot of Australian hip hops, and I can't so I can't listen to the radio station anymore. And they played a lot of uh, Lana Del Rey when I first moved to Australia. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. That that makes sense, I guess. Like uh, 
the album uh, "Born to Die." That's the one that has mm. "Summertime Sadness," the one you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah, that that album was huge. Like I, yeah. I remember being in uh, like grade nine, and so many songs from that album. I was right. listening to a ton. Yeah, really, really good. If I'm not mistaken, she released a song. I think was it called Miami, which I really loved as well, um, or Florida, or the Keys. I can't remember. It's something to do with with Florida that I really I really loved off her. Um, I can't remember the name of the title of the song at the moment, but I really dug that out, uh, that song as well. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly which one you're talking about. Maybe it's I'm a, Kilos. I'm, very, I'm a very casual Lana Del Rey fan, yeah. so I don't I don't know them all, but yeah. Well, obviously I am too, since I can't remember the name of the songs. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's some really um, amazing vocal performances that I really dug. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't she Kanye West's favorite artist? Is am I am I right when I say that, or or has that been disproven? Uh, I think he he said like he has 30 different favorite artists. So right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, to my knowledge, that opinion has changed uh, many, many times over the years. Okay. I remember Leno Del Rey being on SNL, Saturday Night Live, and she didn't have a particularly very good performance on SNL. And I think that set her back uh, a little bit in her career because, you know, there's been performers on Saturday Night Live that have that have lip synced and lip synced badly or performed badly. And that's really hurt her career. I'm thinking of someone called Ashley Simpson, whose career was ruined from a performance on SNL. Um, and I remember not being particularly good, but um, I think that was just indicative of that performance it wasn't indicative of her as an artist yeah it's it's funny how much weight snl holds in the music industry like yeah, <laughs> yeah. not even i think that's dying with with my generation because we don't really like saturday night live isn't really a thing for us like yeah. some clips will go viral on twitter maybe every once in a while but that's it but it it, yeah. it seems like it used to be a pretty big thing there there's a band I'm sure you've heard of called Foster the People. Yes. And I really liked their first album. And I thought it was a really, really good album. And they were playing Saturday Night Live. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, I'm going to see them perform perform live. And it was horrible. It was a horrible, horrible performance. Um, which goes to, you know, the thing that I've said on quite a few episodes where bands don't know how to perform live because they don't have to. Um, and Foster the People could not perform live. Um, if there was a brisk wind, they would have all fallen over. They were so lightweight on stage. Um, it was it was it was embarrassing, and I and I must admit that even though I sort of like that album still, I don't like it as much as I used to because of how badly they performed it. Yeah, that's that's brutal for them. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they've gotten better uh, at their stage presence and and performing. Uh, the singer just didn't have a very robust voice, and if you're going to perform live. You, you definitely need to know how to sing live. Like there's there's a difference between singing in the studio and singing live. And he just did not have the vocal range to perform live. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's really a shame. Yeah. No, good good album. Um shit live band. <laughs> well, I've never yeah. I've never seen the the clip of Lana Del Rey on SNL. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure she's been back though since then. And, and yeah. redeemed herself, hopefully. Well, again, um, what a singer she! You know, she knows her. What I love about a lot of these professional singers is they know their vocal range very, very well, and play to their strengths. And this is definitely one of those strengths of hers, where the performance is is, is immaculate and perfect for her vocal range. <laughs> 
Yes, absolutely. And going back to the production again, I I think it was a really wise decision by her to make an entire album with this guy, Jack Antonoff, because when you're able to make a whole cohesive piece of work with one producer, I feel like that's always such an advantage. Like mm. being able to really lock in and work so closely with one person multiple studio sessions and they just get to know you and your capabilities what your vocal range is what sounds suited best like i i think that's such a wise decision um that pop artists should do more i mean taylor swift just released a whole album again produced entirely by jack antonoff so that kind of seems to be his mo well that and that's a very you know old school way of recording records you would never record a record if the same producer wasn't on all the songs. It was a collaborative, you know, collaborative effort. Like if you look at back at, you know, some U2 records where Brian Eno was the producer, or Daniel Lenoir or Stevie, Steve Lillywhite, they contributed to the sound of that, of that record, obviously. Um, yeah. It's a really, it, maybe that's why music sometimes is really disjointed because there's so many different producers on records now where each song sounds like it's produced no pun intended, uh, and recorded in such different ways where there's no linear um, connection anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. And and coming from my background of being such a huge hip hop fan, the vast majority of hip hop albums can have a different producer for every song. Right. So again, that lends itself to being very disjointed at times. Um, if the artist, if the artist cares about making things cohesive, they'll communicate that with the different producers and, and make something that is sonically cohesive. But a lot of the times they don't, they just don't care about that. No, no. So that's when, that's why when, when a, a rapper does a whole album with one producer, like um, Freddie Gibbs does with Mad Lib or, or other pushing. Yeah, no, it's with good. Pharrell, it's good. And then when Lana Del Rey does it with Jack Antonoff or Taylor Swift does a whole album with Jack Antonoff. I really appreciate that cohesiveness. Now, uh, uh, like I said, love the song. It's, Perfect. It's it's a really well constructed song lyrically, and and uh, the production is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I, mm. I thought you would, and it's always nice when my my hunches turn out to be correct. So right, that's always good. good yeah. <laughs> and Darren, what did you think of Cinnamon Girl? Her songs all sound the same to me. Cool. Thank you, Darren. All right. Um, so we're gonna get into some Guess Who. <laughs> Which is an interesting Canadian band. Now, your dad obviously is a Guess Who fan, uh, so you might have heard the song growing up. Uh, but we're going to listen to uh, No Sugar Tonight by the Guess Who. Uh, Darren just hit play. So I got two questions for you. Have you heard this song before and did you like this song? Yes, I've heard it before. Uh, once it hit the course, it, the light bulb went off in my head. Yeah. And I do like this song, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I could heap a lot of praise on it either, if you know what I mean. It's just like it's catchy and interesting, but I don't know. 
Now, did you did you listen to the to the? Um, there's two versions of the song. There's the single version of the song, and then there's a melodic version of the song where they combine two songs together. Yes, I listened to the one where they combined perfect. Two okay. Together. Okay. Um, I think that middle part where they sort of start singing both songs at the same time is the strength of the song. Is what makes the song. I think yes. that melody is, is is absolutely brilliant. Now that I completely agree with. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That. That is what um, piqued my interest, raised my eyebrows, right, where I perked up and was like, oh, okay, this is good. This is cool stuff. So no sugar tonight. What does this mean? Okay. I thought it referred to maybe someone going on a diet. Uh, Randy Bachman, who wrote this song, wasn't the tiniest man. He was a bit of a big fellow. Maybe he was going through some diet phase. Uh, but doing research into the song, that's not what it's about. Oh. <laughs> so the story goes that Randy Bachman and a friend were walking through LA and these bikers were approaching them and they decided that they were going to cross the road because they didn't want to have an altercation with these bikers because they looked kind of rough and, you know, they didn't look like the nicest people in the world. And then all of a sudden this car came screeching to a stop in front of the bikers. And this woman came out and just started yelling at one of the bikers and just laid into him. And, um, you know, he done her wrong doing something and then as she was getting back in the car she yelled at him and she yelled at him if you think you're getting sugar tonight you're wrong <laughs> and so he just like oh okay so he went back to his hotel and, and started writing the song from that altercation on the streets of LA so that's that's where the song title came back it's about sex that's that's honestly a cool story that's, that's yeah. a cooler story than I feel like most songs have in terms of how they got written or inspired <laughs> So, right. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad the altercation did not end poorly for <laughs> members of the Guess Who. No. Uh, that's good. Um, okay, so we've been delving into a little bit of Canadian music history. And so let's talk about... So this song came out in 1970. So Neil Young had, had gained a lot of success. Neil Young was also from Winnipeg. Uh, the Guess Who are from Winnipeg. Now, the Guess Who were not getting any success whatsoever. As I, as I alluded to last week... English uh, Canadian bands would not get played on Canadian radio because they were seen not as good as American or English artists. So they just wouldn't get played. And that was happening to the Guess Who. They just weren't getting played on Canadian radio. Um, so the record company decided that they were going to trick radio stations. And they released this album. They released a song, sorry, without the name of the band on the album. And they said, guess who? And um, radio station started to play the record saying this was a, a, a great band from England called the Guess Who. Uh, so that's that's when they changed their name to the Guess Who. So it was because they had a hit. Wow, interesting. Yeah. And, and I guess being from England gave them a, a significant advantage over being from Winnipeg, Canada. Exactly. The credibility that they needed. They used to be called the Chad Allen ex and the Expressions. Guess who's much better? It's a much, it's a much, much better, better name. It's a much better name, yes. Um, yeah, so there was a really big inferiority complex with Canadian music. It just wouldn't get played unless you made it big elsewhere. It's, re it's a really sad... It was a really sad situation because, you know, how many great Canadian artists would there have been, but they just did not get the airplay? Yeah, that's. I'm sure there's tons of stories just like the Guess Who's. Like, 
There's yeah. got to be countless. Yeah. Um, we start getting a little bit more into the 70s, and the Canadian government decides that they're going to put a lot more money into the arts. And they're going to put a lot more money into music. And they make this law, which is still in existence to this day, but not. it's really hard to enforce. And I'll explain why it's really hard to enforce after. So it's the can the CanCon law, which means that 30% of the music that you play has to be Canadian. So radio stations were then forced to play 30% Canadian music on the radio, which helped future bands. Didn't help the Neil Youngs and the Guess Who's of the world. They had to gain success elsewhere. But in the 70s, this is when you start getting a lot of Canadian bands that get a lot of success in Canada first, like Rush, like Triumph. Uh, there's a few more bands coming through that really are helped by, by the CanCon rules. Strangely, radio stations got a, got around the CanCon rule of 30% of only playing Canadian music from midnight to six in the morning. Oh man, of course. And guess what they called it? What? The Beaver Hour. (laughs) That was the nickname for the music that they played from midnight to 6 a.m., the Beaver Hour, because it was just Canadian music. Now that, if that is the best Canadian story I think I've ever heard, it's, 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 that's very Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, uh, until the government, said, no, it's 30% every hour you have to play CanCon, 30% every hour you have to play some kind of Canadian music. So radio stations could no longer just do the Beaver Hour when it came to music. Wow. I, that's a, a very obvious, like in hindsight, very obvious that they would just yeah. <laughs> play the Canadian music that they didn't want to play at those off times. But yeah, also kind of scummy. Like, why why didn't they yeah. want to support the radio stations? Why didn't they want to play Canadian music? You know, was it just this prejudice against? I the think, music? And, and I'm going to get into this next week because um, we're going to start getting into '80s music next week. Um, growing up in my generation, I think it was my generation, the sort of Gen X, where we really started to listen to a lot more Canadian music compared to like the baby boomers who were like the, my parents' generation. Um, that just didn't want to listen to Canadian music unless you're a Joan Baez, unless you're a Neil Young, unless you were, you know, a rush that gained all this success elsewhere. That's when you started listening to Canadian music. It was really the people my age that, you know, because in the 70s, you had Triumph, you had Loverboy. A Journey was another huge band that came out in like 70s and 80s. They were a huge Canadian band and that made that had success elsewhere. And then you get into the late 80s and early 90s where the tragically hip sort of take over Canadian music but never had success in America. So they're probably the one shining example of a Canadian band that didn't have success elsewhere. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's always weird to me how the Tragically Hip, like, so huge in Canada, but never really got much traction anywhere else, like, just because of the level of, of popularity here. Right. I would have thought that some of that would have transferred over to, to the U.S. at least, but to my knowledge, it never really did. The, yeah, the only places that the Trudge were popular in America were border towns like Buffalo, Seattle, um, anywhere where they could listen to Canadian music. Like Buffalo, if you if you were to live in Buffalo, you'd, you'd listen to a lot of Canadian radio stations or TV stations because of the closeness of the border. The same with Seattle. They get a lot of Vancouver radio stations and a lot of Vancouver TV. So border towns, um, yes, the Trudge were popular, but really and, nowhere else. 
And the guess who were they big in America? They were. So um, American woman is their biggest song. Um, and the, so this song, no sugar tonight was a B side to American woman. Oh, wow. Um, so um, that's bands used to do that back in the day. They would put very good A and very good B sides. Uh, so this, the B side of this one charted in a number 34 while American woman was a number one hit. Yeah. And Lenny Kravitz did a terrible cover version of um, American woman for an Austin, um, for Mike Myers movie, Austin Powers movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I remember. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I do like the guess who version better. It's just, it's a little bit dirty. I think the Lenny Kravitz is just a little too clean for me. And he changed the guitar sound. It's a different guitar riff. Like he changed the, you know, you have to make songs your own. If you're going to cover yeah. them, there's no point in playing them the same way as the band, but it's a completely different song with the same lyrics. So all this that we've been talking about, about uh, regional music and radio stations having to be legislated to play a certain amount of Canadian artists just so that mm-hmm. we could get exposure. Um, all I've been thinking about this whole time is how relevant the internet has made all of this. Right. Because well, you, you don't need that. You don't need to be played on radio stations anymore to get, no. to well, have can, a successful following. While CanCon rules still apply, you have to play 30% of music on traditional media that does not apply to streaming. Cause how can you, how can you apply that to streaming? Um, you obviously you can't. So when it comes to the internet and internet based delivery systems like streaming, those rules cannot be applied. No, no, absolutely not. Like no. you as a band in Canada, you don't, you don't need that. No one really needs as a requirement no. that huge support or push from the music industry. Obviously it makes it much easier to, to mm-hmm. be popular if you have major record label backing, but it's entirely possible for a band or artist to get a really good following just by releasing music online independently. Right. And so that's a, that's, and that's a relatively, really and that's a relatively new thing to Canadian music. I would say that started probably early eighties to, to today where you could be a Canadian artist and have success in Canada. You know, a big band in, in Canada was the, was glass tiger shit band. But huge success in Canada and really nowhere else. Uh, they they had they they they're really they're sort of like the Duran Duran of Canada, just a shittier version. And you know, it's funny by me deriding them is sort of part of the problem where we don't like our own in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, Nickelback are shit. Duran Duran, sorry, not Duran Duran. Glass Tiger are shit. You know, is that me being sort of the tall poppy syndrome of Canada, or are Nickelback and Glass Tiger just shit music? I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll let her, I'll let her listeners decide on that one. I will say Nickelback has some songs that I tolerate. Right. I do not. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. And if if we want to take this conversation even further to the modern day, to right now, mm-hmm. um, three of the top five are mm-hmm. arguably top ten for sure. Biggest pop artists in the world are now Canadian which is right. pretty crazy to think about. You have uh, Drake, The Weeknd, and Justin Bieber, all from Canada, all from Ontario. And you could make an argument that they're top five in the world uh, as far as male pop artists, but they're absolutely you can, all, yeah. solid, all solidly top ten. And, <laughs> and that's 
with and all you of had, this historical context you've been talking yeah. about, I find that to be really interesting. Well, and then, you know, if you go back a little bit further, you had Celine Dion, which is, which she was absolutely huge. You had uh, Shania Twain, which, which was huge. Um, yeah, there's been some mega, mega Canadian artists, which is relatively a new thing, which did not happen in the 50s, 60s, and to some degree, 70s. It started really in the 80s. And next week, I'll dig in, we'll dig into a little bit why that happened in the 80s versus before. So, even though you you don't you just see Drake as the wheelchair guy from Degrassi, like no, that's correct. Is, yeah, is a is a small part of you like proud that a Canadian from Toronto is like the most the biggest male pop no. artist? If no, 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 because because the music shit. Okay, if he wrote if he wrote a, if he wrote a good song, yeah, I'd give it to him, but uh, no. No, I don't. Okay, so Justin Bieber. I don't like Justin Bieber, but, you know, he's got some interesting pop songs. The Weeknd sounds like Michael Jackson. That's cool. Um, you know, but but Drake, I don't I don't get it. I just don't well, get it. We're, we're slowly creeping up to episode 100, so get ready. Listen to some Drake? Yep, get ready. <laughs> All right. Yep, sounds good. Um, just briefly touching the song one more time, No Sugar Tonight. I have this very distinct memory of growing up in Streetsville, Mississauga, where I have two older brothers and they had a lot of 45s. So 45s were singles on vinyl and we had this 45. So this song got played a lot and I'd have this distinct memory and I could ask your daddy's not that far away from me here of a bunch of us getting together. And when I say a bunch of us, they sort of included me because I was like four or five years old and them writing numbers on the 45 ranking best, the best ones they had. Like I think maybe yesterday by the Beatles might've been one or two and, you know, and they sort of ranked them. And I think there was like a 45, like a number 45 or number 44 on this single. Uh, yeah. So I have this, one of the reasons I love this song so much is just the distinct memory of my two older brothers playing this song a lot when I was a kid. So that's one of the other reasons why I chose to play the song. That's a, that's a nice memory. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which is, my dad's a big fan of this band. So, you know, and I, I I loathe to admit this because I've been hung I've been hung around with your dad, you know, for hardly uh, any time in the last fifteen years. But we were at the supermarket together yesterday buying some groceries, and he was doing a lot of the same things that I do. So that really kind of pissed me off. <laughs> so yeah, like what what kind of stuff? What kind of stuff? Well, you know, when you go to the automatic checkout, yeah. Um, and I do this in Australia too. Like when you finished making your purchase, the, the automatic checkout says, Oh, thank you very much. And he goes, Oh, you're welcome. And I do the same thing. <laughs> oh no. So I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> yeah. That's, that doesn't bode well for my future either. That means I'm going to start <laughs> doing that stuff too. <laughs> if I don't you know, what's already. really, you know, what's really bizarre too, is we were talking yesterday about you too. And because in, in this week in music history, we're going to talk a little bit about you 2 and, and an album specifically. And he goes, oh, the best song from this album is Kite. And I was like, I can't listen to that song. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I can't listen to it either. And I was like, why can't you listen to it? He goes, because of Nick. And I was like, I can't listen to it because of dad, which is your grandfather. You know, someone who doesn't have a child. Right. Yeah, I, I think of my dad and him as a father thinks of you. So that's why he can't listen to the song. And I can't listen to the song because it reminds me of my father. So like, that's really bizarre that we have 
we have the same song that we can't listen to, but for for different reasons. Yeah, damn that that is something. That's yeah. true. So yeah, it's kind of pissing me off that you know we're a little too much alike for my for my taste, really. Yeah, well, I don't know if there's much you can do about that one. <laughs> no, I, I think <laughs> I think your eyes are going to be opened uh, while, while you stay with him to a lot of those things. It's like you know I, I I've I've migrated to the Galapagos Islands and I've sort of my evolution was I thought my own and I sort of became like you know a, a different species of tortoises. And then I got introduced to another tortoise. I was like, oh, shit, that tortoise does the same thing I do. And that kind of pissed me off. Yeah. I thought it was, you know, my evolution was very, you know, unique to me, but to me, uh, maybe not so much. Crazy how genetics work, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons. Another reason why I love the song is just the memories of me when I was a kid. Um, so, uh, Darren, a couple of questions. Have you ever heard the song? And what did you think of it? Probably. But it just sounds like 60s music to me. Cool. Thank you, Darren. Um, so do you have a song for me for next week? So next week, you're going to listen to a new song by one of my favorite Canadian artists. Yes, we're continuing the, the Canadian theme for this month while you're here. It's going to be uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's Surrender Your Heart off her new album, The Loneliest Time. Cool. I know of her, but I don't know much of her music. I've probably heard probably her big single. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Good to hear some more Canadian music. Oh, and yes. you're gonna you're gonna listen to a very odd song. You're gonna listen to Metal Queen by Lee Aaron. Okay, I haven't heard of the song, haven't heard of the, the artist. Yeah, so a little metal queen. Okay. So I hope you like it. Cool, cool, looking forward. All right. Um, let's get into this week in music history. This week in music history. Okay, so if we look at music history for the year nineteen seventy-three. Uh, this week, Ringo Starr released his third album in the U.S., and it. Um, I this is probably the only song Ringo song Ringo Starr song that I like from his solo career. It's called Photograph, and I actually do really like the song. So, uh, Darren, just hit play. <laughs> And that was photographed by Ringo Starr. Good song. It's um, yeah, it came out uh, this week in 1973, so that's pretty cool. Okay. Shout out Ringo Starr. And in the year 2000, uh, U2 had their eighth number one UK album with "All That You Can't Leave Behind." Uh, we talked about "Kite," the song that me and your dad can't listen to because it's too emotional. So we're going to listen to "Beautiful Day" instead from um, "All That You Can't Leave Behind." I have- Return for grace It's a beautiful day You know, it's funny, this album uh, reminds me a lot of 9-11, strangely. Um, A lot of the songs that I used to listen to happened kind of around 9-11, so I have this memory of this album in 9-11 in a weird way. It's it's I, obviously I can't speak to the 9/11 connection because I would have been um, two months old when this when this came out. But I do love "Beautiful Day." That's one of my favorite YouTube yeah. songs. It's a really really good one. Really good. I love I love how electronic it is. Yeah, it's a really good album. And surprisingly good. Um, we YouTube hadn't released uh, an album in five years or four years, but when this song came, when this album came out, so uh, it was a nice surprise that they could still release um, great songs like "Beautiful Day." 
Um, so what are you up to for the rest of your week? Well, um, your favorite artist, uh, Drake, is releasing a collaboration album with 21 Savage oh. on Friday. So I'm, I'm eagerly looking forward to that one. Uh, that's, yeah, can't wait to listen to that. Yeah. They've got a lot of really good songs together. So that's exciting. And other than that, uh, I've got a job interview on Friday at Adidas, just a part-time uh, stock in back the back the shop. So hoping to land that for a nice part-time job while I'm in school. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. And then I think we're hanging out on Sunday. On Sunday, yes, yeah, so I'll come hang out with you on Sunday. And Sunday, I'm going to see. Speaking of you too, I'm going to go see Bono do it. Uh, talk in uh, downtown Toronto. So I'm looking forward to that on Sunday with my buddy, Andrew. And uh, then I'll be, I'll be hanging out downtown for about four or five days after that. So uh, yeah, I have not been downtown in a long time. So I'm looking forward to uh, walking around and seeing um, how much has changed. I think you're really going to find mm. the more West end, like, cause that's where you're staying, right? Sort of near me. In the yeah. West, West end. Literally, I think you're going to yeah. find that has changed a lot. Well, I, me- remember. I remember being quite disappointed in Young Street and how boring it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like chain store after chain store. Like you, every block had an Adidas and Nike store. Or, uh, you know, it was just really disappointing how same, same it was. And, you know, you'd go downtown Toronto, you'd go on Young Street and there'd be so many cool t-shirt shops and, you know, you could go to head shops and buy a bong or you know, all these really interesting things and the character is gone, unfortunately. But hey, we move on with the times, I guess. Yes, we do. Well, yeah. I, again, hopefully you find the West End a bit more yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely going to hang out more West End and um, go towards the you know the lake. And I might, I haven't been to Toronto Island in a year, so I might, you know, venture over to Toronto Island and see what that, uh, I, w- I want to take that picture, you know, that picture back towards the city skyline. So I'm going to see if I can yeah. get that photograph as well. Nice. Well, uh, I look forward to hanging out on Sunday and I hope you have a a good time in Toronto and I hope you're, you get acclimated to the time zone change soon. I've been pretty good. I I slept, uh, went to bed about midnight last night and woke up at six o'clock this morning. So yeah, I'm pretty much over my jet lag now. That's that's nice. That's good. I'm pretty happy about that. Um, so our independent artist is also a Canadian. So we're going to listen to Mello Griffith and a song called Wrist. And I asked Mello what the song was about, and this is what he wrote. I wanted to create a song that made listeners feel grandiose when they heard it. Working with longtime collabor- collaborators uh, Travis Fickle and Alex Thompson, we managed to do just that. We wanted to bring new energy to the music to the music scene utilizing social media, street reviews, and trendy local influencers. I've continued to build buzz around the song. Monday, we, we they released the uh, video, sorry, the lyric video, and then there's a, a music video, a proper music video on the way. So we're going to listen to Mello Griffith and his song, Wrist. And thank you very much, Mello, for letting us play your song. Uh, Nick, I will see you Sunday. You got it. All right. Have fun, everyone. Six bottles of the hip, model in the whip. Throttle when it kick, got that auto with a stick. Grotto full of piss, but the models get me lit. Lottos for the win, coming in. Who is this? 
Pretty bitch, come and sit it on my hip. Pretty lips, licky lick a little bit. Yeah, I might hit if you coming with your click. Show them you the shit. I might pop up off the wrist. Pop out, do a backflip. Then we getting some traction. Came in with a package. Guess why they all tracking? Now it's time to get active. I don't like talking fractions. About to take everything that we practice, put it all in the action. Activated by fascination, get assassinated if you fake. Y'all moving like snakes. Guess the haters don't hate. Getting back to bases, loading up the bases, but they know it ain't a game. Why they all tryna play? Why they all get a race? Why you think it's a race? Must smoke some lace. You ain't in first place. You can't even keep pace. No chit chat, no Kit Kat. This ain't time for no breaks. Nobody, baby, facing it. Damn girl, I'm just saying this. Pretty bitch, come and sit it on my hip. Pretty lips, licky lick a little bit. I might hit if you coming with your click. Showing you the shit. I might pop up off the wrist. Wrist, wrist, which wrist? All these snakes hiss, hiss. She ain't paid, but she like to kiss, kiss, kiss this. You might get a wish list. Rest in peace. I leave them deceased. Pussy is a feast, girl. You know I like to eat. Who is she? Sleeping in my sheets. She behind the scenes, tryna unbuckle my jeans. Guess her shit again. Who the good kid again? She say I'm number one. Wish I could shit again. Tell her and a friend. Come meet me at 10. She say she done with me, but she like my company. Hey, pretty bitch, come and sit it on my hip. Pretty lips, licky lick a little bit. I might hit if you coming with your click. Show them you the shit. I might pop up off the wrist. Wrist, wrist. Which wrist? All these snakes hiss, hiss. She ain't babe, but she like to kiss, kiss. Kiss this, you might get a wish list. Wish, wish. Richie Rich, she a rich bitch, she like rich dick Ain't a baller, but she like these pistons Ain't no water, but she like to rinse this Keeping it 100, baby, I'm all for the peace Kick up on the beach, put some clicks all on my jeeps She hate it when I come and go, but I'm a busy bee What you want from me, baby, who you tryna be, baby? All these snakes hiss, hiss She ain't babe, but she like to kiss, kiss Kiss this, you might get a wish list Wish, wish, Richie Rich She a rich bitch, she like rich dick Ain't a baller, but she like these pistons Ain't no water, but she like to rinse this You've been listening to Just Hit Play To contact your hosts, Peter and Nick Or to be featured on an episode as musical talent Email justhitplay7300 at gmail.com. Keep up to date with news and announcements by following on Instagram and Facebook, linked in the show notes. Subscribe on your favourite podcatcher to tune in next week for more Sonic Delights. And if you can't wait till then, check out the Just Hit playlist on Spotify, linked in the show notes. A special thanks to Braden Munch for the theme song, and thank you for listening.